From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to today's podcast. We're a little tired. We've been working on this Mid-Engines and Mountains film, and we're, uh, yeah. we're ready to get that out there and into your hands and have you see it. But uh, you might have noticed... Well, it's out. Well, it is out, yes. We, we've been uh, working hard on this thing. And yep. Uh, yep, yep. you might have noticed that we have uh, strayed a little bit from our regularly scheduled programming. We've had some different podcasts. I think the last three in a row was uh, Tires, uh, LA Auto Show, and last week we were talking about Mid-Engines and Mountains, which you've got to mm-hmm. hear. If you mm-hmm. haven't heard that one, some behind-the-scenes stories... But for this week, we're getting back to the regular car debate, and we've got a few random questions as well. But we've got Steve, uh, excuse me, uh, Steve in Indiana, a few options. And um, we're also talking to Vlad in New Jersey about uh, maybe an all-rounder car, something for winter use. Should he keep what he's got? Should he buy something less expensive? Yeah, that's that's the fun here is we've got some kind of either either or questions tonight where it's like guys i've got a small amount of money should i do this or should i do that so it's not just a what car it's a it's a what approach which is kind of fun i'm looking forward to those yeah well vlad's got a very low budget here for four grand i'm looking forward to discussing this with you whether he should actually buy a car or invest it in the stock market or something else i don't know Uh, (laughs) and then uh we'll keep going with andy who's actually in new york thinking about uh grad school or applied to grad school up in Boston. I, that's awesome, Andy. You've got uh, quite a nice list. I noticed actually BMW yes. heavy from your car history, which we will discuss shortly. Mm-hmm. But thinking Definitely. about what should we do, and you gave two options, and I asked Todd, he's going to take option A, I'm going to take option B, and we're going to discuss, <laughs> but we'll get there. So stay tuned. We'll yeah, get there. Yeah, we will. We will. <laughs> first, first, I did want to say if you have not, like Paul already kind of mentioned it, if you have not heard uh, last week's podcast, Podcast 21, that was our behind the scenes of Mid Engines and Mountain film, that is all stuff that happened during the shoot of the film that is not mentioned in the film. So it doesn't ruin the film. There's not spoilers in either direction. If you're inter- interested in some more behind the scenes there, awesome. If you've heard that episode, we highly recommend you watch the film because we think you will enjoy it. Thank you to those of you that have already seen it. By the yes, time you're listening you. to this, the film's been out all almost a week and uh, early reviews that we have received we have been very thankful it is playing every bit as well as we hoped so uh, you can go to Vimeo you can go to Amazon if you want a quick way to find this here's the easiest way to do it go to our website everydaydriver.com right there on the main page is a mention of the film or if you want to go more direct than that everydaydriver.com slash films that's films plural from right there, you can click to buy in the Blu-ray, get in the Vimeo, whatever you would like. Yeah. Go from right there. That's all you have to remember. We'd love to have you not only watching, but once you've watched, please leave us a review. If you watched it on Vimeo, leave it there. If you watched it on Amazon, leave it there. We want to hear your thoughts. We want others to read your thoughts as well. If they are debating whether or not they should see it, it's your thoughts that will put them over the edge. So we'd love to have your thoughts on all of those. Yeah, you know, we've uh, already gotten some thoughts trickle in. And what's been interesting is we've gotten some comments about is the free content going to continue? Is this the model that you guys are going after? And just to clear that up, this is, again, the once-a-year film. This is our oeuvre, our egg, Mm -hmm. our film 
for the year. This is the big production. Yeah. And for that, we've got to cover production costs. And so that's why we're asking for on all of these uh, areas to all of these um, outlets to get the film, whether it be Amazon or Vimeo, we're asking for mm-hmm. uh, for you know return on our investment into filming and shooting. And it's a bigger production. It's a bigger scale. We spend a lot more on mix, on just overall quality, even though we're already you know yeah. us for quality there. But we will continue with the free content, and we do have a few teases coming up. What do we got coming up uh, still in December here? We've got uh, well, yeah, that's the thing. Is that we're not. Up. I mean, we've said this. We've said this before. Yeah, we'll talk about all that. We've said this before. We we aren't changing our YouTube channel. If, if you go back to the early episodes of our podcast, episode three, we talked about the Drive Plus model. I think it's episode five. We talked about what we're going to do. The result is YouTube stays YouTube, and right. you can get plenty right. of free content. We are going to try to do these bigger productions, both for fun for us and for something different and cool for you guys once a year. That's what this is. YouTube channel's not changing. In fact, coming up this month... Uh, very soon, we have a joking review of the <laughs> minivan we took with us on Middens and Mountains. We're doing a joking review of that. That'll be on the YouTube channel. And then later in December, maybe right around January 1st, we will have our long-awaited Lamborghini Countach review. Very excited to share that with you. That's and then be last fun. weekend, last weekend, we had a quite insane shoot. Oh. Our last shoot of 2014, oh, yeah. oh. we pulled it off. I still kind of can't believe we got those cars. I can't either. We drove the Challenger Hellcat and the Camaro Z28. And I'll have you know that the Z28 mm-hmm. was provided by a private owner. Thank you, Tim. Wow. He yep. actually approached yep. us and said, I've got this car. He bought it brand new off the lot, promptly tracked it six times, and said, hey, guys, <laughs> will you review my car? Which we said, sure, absolutely we will. Yep. And we got but both we of these But we wanted to have the Hellcat cat. with it. Yeah. We wanted to have the Hellcat with it because we wanted to have the top of those two lineups. They're very different cars. We wanted to have the top of those two lineups Man. together. Kim's flexibility and being able to shoot allowed us to put them together. We just shot that last week. That is an early 2015 piece for us. We're very excited. You know, I had a thought, Paul. Hmm. Those two cars together, those two cars together, over 1,200 <laughs> horsepower in those two cars. And oh if you break it gosh. down, if you think about what they it's cost, yeah. it's like $10 per horsepower. The, the, the unbelievably cheap horsepower, those two. I mean, I, I just, I, oh my gosh, it was quite insane. We're looking forward muscle. to sharing that with you. It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, to a crazy degree. The horsepower wars have come to the U.S. in a big, big way. So that is coming up. But first off, we're going to get into a couple random questions from you guys and then to some more typical car debates. We had two of you write in. First is James, and the second is Steve. You both run in with kind of similar questions, and that is you're looking to buy a car. But you're curious about some of the crazy options that are available, and are they worthwhile? First, I want to speak to James, and James wrote in and said he's curious about radar or adaptive cruise control. Have we driven cars like that, and what do we think? Or to, to ask it another way, is it worth getting? We've That's never been asked question. this question. We've had, we haven't, and, and, and I was thinking back, the two cars that we've had that in... I actually guess one had it and one had something similar. It was when we did the uh, the Chevy SS and the Charger SRT review. Yep. The Charger had the adaptive cruise control, and the SS just had like the helper system where it tells you if you're too close to a car or not, and and kind of wants to shut off helper the cruise, cruise control, control and that kind of stuff. I'm here. It's friendly gnomes up up under the hood that help you. Yes, definitely, definitely. Now from GM, friendly gnomes. <laughs> wow. Anyway, that was the um, exact car but, I was uh, remembered too. Was the Charger? I I thought back. Yeah. Yes, we have. What car was it? It was the Charger, fully loaded, mm-hmm. and had the adaptive yep. cruise control. And I thought, huh, never tried this before. So I set it, and I remember the car slowing in various places. I don't know. I, I, 
James, you asked about bumper-to-bumper traffic. I don't know that it works if you come to a complete stop. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you actually come to a complete stop, it's not going to start you up again and then just keep you at a specified distance. It's really once you're depends rolling. On the, but depends on the car. I think I mean, it's, yeah, like it depends the Audi, on the system. The Audi system can handle that. Can it? Uh, okay. I don't. I don't know because we actually, thankfully, never had full stop and go in the Charger shoot. So I don't know. I can't speak right. to that there. But I know the Audi system will do it. Uh, yeah, this was an interesting interesting feature. Keep going, Paul. But I, I have a thought on this. But keep going with where you were. Uh, James, you asked how did it work. And I thought it worked great. At first, I was skeptical. But I use cruise control. Todd and I talk about this a lot. If everybody used cruise control, there would be far less traffic. Because, you know, going up a hill, everybody just... Your speed gets, you drop by 10, 15 miles an hour, and people don't realize it. So if everybody used cruise when you're moving, when there is no traffic, it would be great. I try to use it as much as possible. And so when we had the car, as we took it out to the shoot Mm -hmm, location, mm -hmm. I think it was about an hour drive uh, to get out there. Yeah, we had a long trip on that one, yeah. And I thought, all right, put it to the the test here. And uh, I liked it. It slowed. uh, I think I was in the fast lane and... Yeah, just a slower car, mm-hmm. it slowed, and so you feel that, and it makes you pay attention, which is a good thing. That's what you want. It doesn't do it yeah, for I mean, you, but it wakes you up. It makes you pay attention, and then you can maneuver around, do what you need to do. I thought it was great, actually. I, I liked it. I think, honestly, James, my feeling for you is it's going to depend on what is the car that you're in and what is the place where you drive, and I think that, that matters for this reason. Mm-hmm. The Both of those cars... I had trouble with now the the SS did not have uh, adaptive cruise control, but it did have a system that was trying to tell you distance to other cars and trying to alert you about your too close system. And that exactly the the, the all gnome GM system. We should send them that. See, we trademark it and then tell I'd them like they that, want to trademark. Yeah, the GM gnome system. That that'll be a big seller. Anyway, the um, so the both dome, systems that system. Gnome. Love it. <laughs> All right, I'm we are off stupid. in the weeds already. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but no. So so yeah. Whether you're using the Power Gnome system as Paul has named it, or you're using the Charger <laughs> Adaptive Cruise Control, here was the problem in L.A. In Los Angeles specifically, here is the way traffic works in Los Angeles. And I'm talking if you're bumper to bumper, and I'm also talking if you're 60. And and, and if you're if you're listening to this, you've never been to L.A. You're going to think I'm insane, but I'm serious. When you travel in Los Angeles. If you leave more than two car lengths between you and the car in front of you, someone will pull into that space. You could be going 80 with two car lengths between you and the car in front of you. But if there's traffic packed in going 80, somebody's going to fill that space. That just happened on the Charger Z28 shoot. There's a guy in a Prius that split us. And I'm going, are you nuts, man? What are you doing? And it just it's a hole. I wonder if Boston traffic's like that, though. And then then he got spooked. So it's going it's to really depend on where you drive. If people are leaving yeah. decent amount of space, then these, these systems will probably be fine for you. I had to turn them off because of traffic distance. They were working fine, right. but the distance that the charger, for example, wanted to leave between me and the car in front of it was twice the standard LA distance. So all that was happening is I was constantly being slowed because the car would leave distance and then two people would pull in that space because it was like a four-car length space, which in LA is like, why don't we bring an 18-wheeler in here? So <laughs> right. it, it kept Funny. reducing the speed and reducing the speed. So I had to turn it off. And in the SS, I had to tell it, stop telling me anything about any other cars because that car, cars were so close in comparison to all of its settings. It was freaking out constantly. Oh, my God, there's cars. Yeah. So I turned off both uh, systems specifically because of LA 
comfortable distances, comfortable I use uh, in quotes there, but because of the way LA traffic moves, they're not great for that. Now in normal other cities where people leave distances that make some sort of logical sense, probably be fine. People actually But that's the only thing. Yeah. I, yeah, exactly. That's the only thing is, is how are you driving and where are you driving? I think the systems themselves are cool, but you got to figure out how your application would work and whether or not it would work for where you are. And the car is right. It's actually leaving the correct safe distance that you should actually be traveling and somebody cuts you off and the system freaks out. So yeah, yeah, I, you're right. It, it's a, definitely a different deal in LA. So, um, yeah, I liked it, so take, but, uh, you know, it's got to work for you. So yeah, take that as you will, James, we're going to move on to Steve in Indiana. He is, he has looked high and low with his family for their next, uh, car that kind of is a do it all. He has decided to buy the new Volkswagen GTI. I think that's a great choice, Steve. I applaud you on that. Yeah, that'd be but interesting. His question, the interesting thing about the email he sent us, the email I, I read the subject subject line and went, "What are you? Are you writing to the right show?" His subject line was "How to top a pizza," and I was like, "Is this spam? Oh, what am yeah, I reading?" I and then that. I started reading. It was like, <laughs> "Oh, now I get it. Okay, yeah, now I get it." So what he's asking is, "Okay, I'm going to buy a GTI, but I really want to spend my money wisely. What options should I really get?" And there are two main ones that he's asking about. And uh, he's saying, are these worthwhile? Which is an interesting question. Yeah, Steve, you're asking first about driver assistance for the front collision warning and the parking sensors. Only 800 bucks. Okay, I agree with you. Check that box. But I think the big question here is adaptive headlights. And mm-hmm. uh, I did a little online research here, and I can't remember. Most of our shoots are during the day. We don't really notice the headlights you know, maybe when we're, you know, finishing after a day's shoot and, and yeah. you know, using the headlights. I, I don't know that we've driven a car with adaptive headlights yet, but I could be wrong there. But it's not like I'm thinking about it all the time. But here's the point is this is the direction technology is going. And my headspace is mm-hmm. when you're buying a car, even new, and you think this is my new car, I'm never going to part with it. At some point, you are going to. And at some point, somebody down the road is going to say, okay, what options does it have? Why should they buy your car after over somebody else's? And if this is the way technology is going, therefore many cars and many less expensive cars will have technology like this in the future. You're going to want yours to have it too, just in terms of resale value. You know, when you're specking out your car to get money back out of it. I, I could go either way on that. You've got to get ultimately what you want. But just doing a little research about the adaptive headlights seems pretty interesting to me because it accounts for your speed and the attitude, the angle of the car, and if you're turning or not, and a lot of different things. So you're essentially not blinding oncoming drivers, and it's optimizing the throw of light down the road for you. That, to me, doesn't seem like a bad thing, but I I don't know how much those are. I don't know what that, uh, that option is for Volkswagen, you know. We have to look it up. Interesting, interesting that you're taking that tactic. I actually hadn't thought about it in terms of resale. Uh, I take your point there. I I kind of feel like to to be the counterpoint. I kind of feel like if your car, if you if we're talking about resale, if your car is hyper clean and low mileage, you're going to get a lot more sure. out of your car that way than saying you have adaptive headlights. I personally, and I, I realize Paul and I should tell a side note story about me and headlights. But but I, my my feeling is if you can see and you have headlights, done. 
why pay extra? That's 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 my takeaway on it. I don't think, and, and it also again comes back to where you drive a little bit. If you drive in anywhere in Texas, for example, they've lit every freeway, side street, everywhere. You could. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying you should do this, but you could drive in Texas with your lights off at night and see fine. Please don't do that to t- test my theory, but I know that you could, <laughs> because Texas overlights everything. Versus like random places in California or where I live out in Utah, when it's dark, it's dark nobody bothered to string any electricity there's no extra lights it's what your car brings to the party and you know my little saburu after a couple of winters of beating i started to get some pretty yellowed headlights and paul got in a car with the car with me one night and went oh my gosh you don't have your lights on and i went yeah i do (laughs) he went that can't possibly you're like those are your those are your parking lights and i went no, and I hit my brights, and then the brights were well, they were brighter, like but they weren't very good. He was like in a mixing bowl trying to light the road. Exactly, he was like, "That's borderline dangerous." So now this was the middle of the summertime. I have to acknowledge, so it wasn't driving in the dark at, at uh, that much. But now that winter has come, I have fixed my headlights, so I have real light now. But compared to modern lights, it's not that great. And I still think if you've got light and you can see, and you live in a city that is well lit. I, I wouldn't spend the extra money on the adaptive headlights. Honestly, who cares? Save your cash. If, that, if that's your concern of not wanting to overspend on features, I say that one's a throw. Sure. Yeah. I mean, light is light, but I, and again, I'd have to look it up. I don't know how much they're charging for that. It might be very expensive. And on the other hand, you've got to think in an accident, in a repair, the more technology, the newer technology that hasn't Absolutely. been around a lot, Absolutely. it's going to be expensive to fix. So, mm-hmm. all right, something mm-hmm. to consider as well. I guess, yeah, when you load up the car and you think about, I'm always thinking about resale value. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, we were helping a, a guy look for a Cayman. And one of the things that prevented him from buying one particular 09 Cayman was it didn't have the, uh, it was also adaptive headlights, I think, is what he was looking for. And one car just didn't have it. And that kind of prevented him. But it was HIDs, from, but either way. Was it HIDs? Okay. Yeah. And it kind of prevented letting, him from Letting a good that car, car go because, uh, letting a good car go go because it doesn't have the right headlights. Really? Yeah. I, really? Yeah. That That's my opinion. <laughs> but I just was like, I'm sorry, you can't buy a car for the headlights. The, the, but I mean, I realize I'm not normal. Obviously, I'm talking about driving in darkness already. But, but I kind of feel like that the headlights question for me on a car is, has lights? Check. And moving on. But anyway, yeah, Steve, I, you know, everybody's different. We're with you. Money's only an issue when it's wasted, as you said here. But, uh, you know, if you feel like it's worth it and they work well, test drive it. And uh, and you can uh, really decide there. But uh, let's yeah. keep rocking towards let's move on. Vlad. Yeah, let's move in, on to uh, Vlad. In, uh, he's in New Jersey, and he's got an interesting yeah. request because it's a tough request. Vlad is clearly a BMW guy. He has a 96 328i auto. And he recently bought as a fun car, guess what? Another BMW. He bought himself an E30 chassis, so bravo on that. Yeah, 325 IS manual that he says is incredibly clean and no rust. So that's quite a find. Interesting. I guess they salt the roads in New Jersey. I'm not aware of this. but uh... Well, but I mean, come on. Winter's going to beat on anything. I mean, yeah, so that's, true. You know, so true. anyway, so he's talking about he has the E36, the older E36 that uh, that he likes, that's his auto, that's been his all-around car. Now he has the E30 as his fun car, and he wants to keep the E30 nice and for summer driving only. So he's thinking about what should my winter car be, and what I laugh about about this is he spent the whole summer in the E30, got back in the, <laughs> the E36, and is now is now bored by it. It's, well, of course you are. Of course. It's an auto, and it's not as good a chassis as that E30, so of course you're bored by it. Well, but then that brings you to your question, which is, 
I have four grand. Should I get rid of the E uh, the E thirty six the the three twenty eight I auto and get something else? Tough question. That is a tough question. Vlad tells us he's looking for something four wheel drive or all wheel drive, stick shift, something reliable, which makes me think Japanese, not older BMWs, and certainly fun to tool around in. And it's got to yeah. be a commuter car. Well, you've already got two cars here, and your budget is four grand. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not coming up in my brain with any cars that are four wheel drive for that kind of money. I, you know, you'd have to go pretty far back. And you'd get a yeah. you'd get a beat down Jeep, or you'd get a beat down Subaru. Is probably yeah. What's going those are those are really your options. And then your very last sentence here, Vlad. You've got this, well, I've got such a low budget, what about just throwing on a set of winter tires and deal with it? I'm kind of leaning that direction, because four grand, you're getting yourself a used Honda Civic for commuting. I mean, honestly, it's going to buy a high-mileage car, and just yeah. it's almost a throwaway car at that point. If you're spending four grand, well, if you're buying tires, you're going to spend five, six hundred bucks on winter tires already. Yeah. I say get the winter tires keep driving your BMW, just, you know, wait for the E30 come springtime, and keep driving your car, because four grand, well, suddenly you've got now three cars, one of them is going to be pretty old and beat down, and you might be putting even more money into a $4,000 car just to keep it running, because you're going to be commuting in it, so I don't know that that's money well spent. I say buy snow tires and keep your Beamer. What do you think? I think you and I... I think you and I are agreeing on this one. Uh, kind of got their different route, but I think we're agreeing on this one. Here's the thing. You're talking about an E30, which is a fantastic chassis. It's very chuckable. It has an old school, very analog feel. That's missing anyway. Pretty much anything is going to feel disappointing coming out of that oh, chassis. Of course, it's just, just of the course. nature of it. So you've got, but, you, but you're moving into another BMW. It's not like that other BMW dynamically is bad. It's just not as cool for you as the E30, and it's auto, so you feel a little bit pushed away, you know, a little bit muffled from the driving experience. But here's the thing. Just about anything you get is not going to feel as interesting as that E30. Oh, if you're yeah. if you're yeah. if you're 96 Beamer and you say it's actually been really reliable for you, if that's reliable for you, I would put it to you this way: it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't. You may not like that 1996 BMW as much as you would like to. You don't like it as much as the E30. Okay, that's fine. The, you don't want a four thousand dollar car. That's no. my that's my recommendation <laughs> to you. Because I, the $4,000 car you buy is going to be so beat down, you have no idea what is coming that it's going to need to be your reliable commuter. You might buy your way into a nightmare. Now, I know there's people out there already saying, well, I bought a car for a 3500 and it's run me for 10 years. Congratulations <laughs> on being the exception, not the rule. <laughs> right. Because right. your $4,000 car, I guarantee you, there is money to be spent on that car to make it reliable. I say keep your Beamer. Yes, it's not as cool, but keep your Beamer. You know it. You know what's been done to it. You know how well it runs. Use that as your commuter car for a little while until you've got more money to spend on something else, until you've got, let's say, 15, where you could get rid of the E36 and get something else that is a good all-arounder. Keep your E30 for fun. Keep your other BMW for winter. Go buy winter tires. I'm going to say it. Go to Tire Rack. Get yourself some Bridgestone (laughs) Blizzaks. That's what you want. You want Bridgestone Blizzaks. Get those. They were, I think they're selling the, it's like the WS80 now, I think, is their latest and greatest. You're not going to find a better winter tire. I'm telling you that right now. You could actually look into Tire Rack. They've got all kinds of tests. And guess what? The Blizzaks still win. So don't take my word for it. If you buy them from there, tell them we sent you. 
But that's what you can do. Keep the rest of that four grand in your pocket for, hey, I don't know, do some mods to your E30 or keep both cars running. Yeah, I think that's that, the smart money. I say, I say hang on to your money. Invest it. Just add to it. You know, sock it away for your next good car because I, I feel like okay maybe you find something it's a coup for four grand and you found this yeah you know random something with low miles well now you've got three cars and it's a still a four thousand dollar car i say save your money well, I, you're gonna be happier in the long yeah. term and spend the money on winter tires so i, I mean he may strange. he may be getting rid of the e36 in this in this discussion i don't I, I it's unclear if he would be getting rid of the e36 for that four grand but either way i come back to the devil you know and the combination also of you don't want a $4,000 car that you have to really right. rely on. Yeah. So anyway, there's that there. And then we've got Andy in the New York area. Andy's got an interesting story because he's in New York. Andy's also a BMW like he's guy. In, have you noticed this? Yes. It sounds like he's in New York City, actually. But he had the ability. He found a, a deal right after college graduation or right, maybe it's high school graduation. It's unclear here because he's talking about going to grad school now. But he found an 05 Lotus Elise, you jerk. <laughs> but you have an 05 Lotus Andy, Elise. You're, I am jealous you're already. You're lighting the fire here. You're, you're setting this debate on fire with the Lotus Elise because you know <laughs> it's Todd's favorite car. And if you're awesome. listening to this Love and it. you haven't watched Mid-Engines and Mountains yet, guess what kind of car we drive in that feature film? Yes. <laughs> Three great ones, by the way. Cayman yes. and 4C to go with the Lotus. That's a pretty good day. All right. I want to drive, so I want to walk through Andy's car history yeah, here yeah, first because he's a BMW yeah, do it, guy. Do it. I, <laughs> I didn't get an X5 when I was in high school. I mean, good on you, but I'm a little jealous. O2 BMW mm -hmm. X5 in high school. I hope you packed it full of people and, yeah, had a lot of fun in that. And then, to his credit, he's talking about getting a beat-down family hand-me-down one. So it's not oh, like still, they went out and bought him a mint one. But still, that's awful nice. Mine was I have a beat-down you know, Jeep, school, so I'm, I'm yes, remaining right. jealous. It is a different, you're right. It's a different category. I hear you. And Go then on. in college, I had a beat-down Honda Accord, which I then managed to buy a slightly nicer Honda Accord. You had a 95 <laughs> M3 modified by <laughs> Steve Dynan. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Why do you not day. still have this day. car? This is a sweet car. Yeah, that's true. But okay, true. and then you graduated to the Lotus Elise, promptly wrote us, and poked Todd in the eye with that information, which yep, I love. Exactly. Yes. So Th thank you for that. Congratulations. But you you've autocrossed <laughs> it. You put it on a track. You you it's not. I mean, you live in New York. You you keep it outside the city. It's not your any by any means a daily car. But you have it, and you're debating going to grad school in Boston. You're helping to go there, and mm -hmm. so you're going. What do I do? And you've listed two options. These option the options. A, option B. I'm, I'm saying, and, I'm telling you, you take option A, I'll take option B because I'm really intrigued right. by what you've got to say. All right. Well, let me let me just let me just jump into option A then. Your option A is keep the Elise as your pure fun autocross car, and try to buy yourself a ten grand daily driver so you can keep the Elise as your fun car in the stable, and then for ten grand buy something else that can be your more normal car for driving in Boston and whatever. Uh, I like this option because it involves you keeping your Lotus Elise. And I, I know everyone is shocked to hear me say that. But that look, here's the thing about the Elise. I, I go on and on about it, but here, here's the reality laughing. of it. That is, a, that is a very unique and rare car among modern cars. It's not just the uh, manual steering. It is the low weight. It is everything about it is so analog. It, it, you know, we were talking about the E30 earlier in this podcast that, that Vlad has. And, and you know what? It's in that vein. It's it's a car from the the Elise, while sold in the two thousands, is a car from the eighties, 
as far as its analog feel is concerned. Yeah, yeah. Regu- regulation keep that from happening anymore. That is a unique animal in the same way that E30 Beamer is. You're not going to find an, a modern equivalent to that kind of raw feel. So if you like it now, I will acknowledge it's not for everybody. But if you like it, hang on to that car. So that gives you ten grand to buy a daily driver. But what's funny is some of the things you've listed as your options. You've listed an e, a E39 5 Series, a first-gen Cayenne. Can you get a first-gen Cayenne for ten grand? Uh, maybe. Uh, maybe, but you're going to be but, putting ten grand into it for the center diff issue and a whole bunch of other stuff. So, <laughs> but, um, but then you list, yeah. then you list. Hey, should I get a beat-down Range Rover? No, <laughs> Andy, you should not get a beat-down Range Rover. <laughs> or I'm just a beat that, early that, 2000s, done. which is right after that. No, do done, not done, do done. This. Your 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 ten thousand dollar Range Rover is a beginning of a $10,000 problem. I'm just putting that out there and just saying right now, 10 grand Range Rover, bad idea. Although everybody has their pit down which to throw money. I mean, that is a Range Rover, sort of the definition of Range Rovers, I feel like. True, true. So, I mean, yeah, you could do Wrangler, you could do GTI. These are other things you've listed. Um, I think... I think whatever you need to do to keep the Lotus, I know that I sound obvious in saying that, but I think you should keep the Lotus, but do not buy, do not buy the $10,000 depreciated uh, German SUV because I suspect that ten grand is the beginning of a money pit. So, uh, sorry, yeah. German or British. D- the Range Rovers, <laughs> are, I would keep British. you away from that even more than the Cayenne. Hello, I mean, the air Cayenne suspension probably for... would run. Yeah. What, what, yeah. I mean, the Cayenne probably would run. Okay, but you're going to be putting money in it to keep it running. Yeah. The Range Rover, I suspect, would never leave the shop. I mean, le- read the uh, – uh, I'm going to plug him here because he's a great writer. Read the Doug DeMuro discussion about where he uh, he bought a Range mm. Rover from CarMax. It's not even that old. And the constant maintenance that it required, but he kept it because CarMax warranty just kept paying for it. I mean, well, it's that always is the something with those beat-down cars. That is, you know, well, but, but he, a no, lovely but it's not exception. An exception. It's an exception because he didn't have to pay for it. Right, that's but what I it mean. But it proves the rule in that there was always something. Yeah. So, yeah, don't don't get a $10,000 Range Rover. I think you will regret that. Um, you could do WRX. That's the simple version. Obviously, you could go that route. Honestly, $10,000 GTI, if you've got a little money put away to keep that running, that actually could be really cool. But because you've listed all these uh, SUVs, I say Wrangler. I say get a Wrangler. Okay, and just I can see that. Let it let it run. Just let it run. All right. So you're ready for option B? Option B. Option B begins with <laughs> sell the Elise. So I don't like option B. <laughs> option B is sell the Elise. And look, Andy is suggesting this. And here's the deal. He's saying sell the Elise, get a $40,000 all-around car that he can yeah. track. He can autocross it regularly. And because he's going to grad school, he doesn't have a family yet, he doesn't need four seats, and preferring a manual transmission... But he's open, mm-hmm. and here's what he's thinking about. He's thinking about an E92 M3, which I love, a Cayman, yeah, which great. I have, a uh-huh. 993 through an early, or, or a, I mean a late model, uh, 997 Porsche 911. I even love that you listed an NSX. Here's mm-hmm. why I great, like option B. It's because okay. you own the Elise already. You've probably had it for a few years. And sure. even though you're still using it for some autocrosses, crosses look like you're still tracking it, the sentence that stood out to me is, you don't need a car to drive every day since you won't be commuting, but you still need something more usable than the Elise. So true. Andy is keeping this car outside New York City and not driving it all the time, so nice to have, but I'm guessing that Andy's life is going to change and that he he's going to be putting more miles on whatever next car that he gets. So I don't... 
Yeah. I don't know that yeah. you need two cars. I, I say need, but I mean, I can certainly justify it all day long, but I, mm-hmm. I'm just saying you can autocross and track any car. I, I mean, we've yeah. had people autocrossing Aston yeah. Martin Vantages, um, Mustangs, Corvettes, you name it. People autocross and track whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm, I love the idea of selling the Elise because you've experienced it. And move on to that. what's next yeah. and experience I other see that. cars. I should have known you'd go there. And yeah. that's why Todd and I love doing this because it's funny. Press cars come to the house and we get to drive them. And even even if I love <laughs> the car, I like it when they go away <laughs> because we're done with the shoot and they just disappear. Yeah. I don't have to do anything. I've experienced it and I get to move on. We get to move on yeah. to experience Beginning what's of next. some other experience. Yeah, I see that. And I here's that. the thing. I'm actually selling my own Cayman because I'm going to be moving shortly to winter weather. And uh, I'm, I'm looking to sell it. I've had it four and a half years. People know yeah. that I love this car. But I've had it four and a half years. I want to experience what's next. It's still worth sure, good money. Sure. I can get good money for it. And you know what? If you regret it, you can always get another Elise and move on to something else and expand your driving experiences. And I was even okay. thinking of an E90 M3. I love the four-door M3, even though you don't mm-hmm. need it. Andy, want to buy my Cayman? Just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, uh, I see. I see why you took option B. You're trying to sell your car. That's frightening. I didn't expect that. I didn't expect that twist. All right. But, All right. Well, uh, Andy, contact Paul separately. You can still contact him on our email address. But here's the yes, thing. I take your point in that you're saying you're saying get more driving experience. I get that. Yeah. I get yeah. that. And there is real merit to that. And we encourage that like crazy. Go get other driving experience. I, I hear what you're saying there. I will just do my last gasp comment about the Elise though Andy and I and I do I do feel this I think if you get rid of that car you're not going to find something that feels like that car that isn't necessarily a bad thing but if you are in love with that Lotus you got to really ask yourself that question if you're in love with that Lotus and you love everything about what it is or to put it another way what it isn't you're not going to find that again in another car that doesn't mean don't step away but don't right. but if you step away if you step away don't look for your Lotus replacement look for a different car because that Lotus really is kind of a, a, a touchstone moment in cars that we have now walked past. I just had the so most brilliant that, idea. Uh oh. You want a Lotus, so why don't you buy Andy's Lotus? I'll sell him my Cayman. <laughs> We're all happy. The end. Yeah. You're welcome. It's, o- it's only money. Okay, Andy, what are you selling your Lotus for and what color is it? That's what I want to know. But anyway. That's um, the best idea. Yeah, Doesn't that, that work for this everybody? Is a, this, this is a very interesting issue, episode of the car debate. We are now uh, we are now actually <laughs> buying and selling our own cars on the, at this episode. I am, I'm very frightened. That was a weird twist, but um, I think it's highly yeah. creative. I, I'm pretty stoked with that solution. <laughs> Next week on the car debate, sell us your car. We'll sell you ours. No, no. No, no. That's a frightening idea. Not a good all idea. All right. Well, we we probably we probably should move on. But uh, thank you to all of you for writing in, Andy. I hope that was helpful. I and, hope it uh, was. Vlad, too. don't buy a four thousand dollar car. And uh, <laughs> yeah. James and Steve, we hope that the options on the cars you're considering that was helpful. Hey, thank you guys for joining us here on another yeah, episode of the Car it. Debate. And of course, remember we do video. In case you don't remember, we do actually do films and video. So mid engines and mountains is out there. So is the fifty years of nine eleven film. And Christmas is coming up. You have a car enthusiast on your list. These are not expensive. You can hand them a Blu-ray. They will like it. I promise you. So uh, those are good options. Yep. And then of course we have YouTube, and that stuff will continue to be free. 
Hey guys, also, I remember I mentioned on last week's podcast, I've got a stack of 911 Blu-rays ready to ship. Well, guess what? Mid-Engines and Mountains has arrived. They're here. I'm ready to ship those too. So order your copies, as Todd said. Stocking stuffers. Mm-hmm. Order them both together, and we're ready to ship them right to you. Or you can order it on Vimeo On Demand. Download it there. And also, we've been seeing an increased bump in our Patreon uh, donors. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you guys, Thank you guys. so much. And if it strikes you, you're able to help us out. That just goes straight towards video production, continuing what we're already doing and uh, increasing quality and increasing what we're doing in terms of creative car comparisons. So check that yeah, out, patreon.com. By the way, there is some one question that came up this past week. Excellent question. Somebody asked about a bundled price for both our films. Oh, yeah, right. We looked into it. For reasons we don't understand, Amazon restricts you bundling multiple DVDs together. I don't know why. I'd love to tell you that I knew why. These are not my rules, but they've given them, given them out. So we can't do that, yeah. which is strange. However, we have dropped the price a little bit on the 911 film, so they're both running 17.99, and uh, we can ship them together and save you some shipping costs. Yep. So uh, that, yep, put that can. out there. If, if for those of you that have said, "Hey, I'd like to get both," uh, that's the best we can do. I would apologize; we can't do better. But thank you for your interest, and thank you guys for listening. Do us a favor: rate this podcast, yeah, and, and rate, rate the films. Hopefully, this that was a, a actually does one. help. Get high ratings for this one. I'm feeling creative we right are, now. Uh, all right. Well, hey, we're we're, we're selling, buying and selling our own cars, so this is good, certainly an interesting episode. I didn't expect that twist, but thank you guys Bye. for joining us yet again. Rate us, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week.